Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I just thought I'd fill you guys in on a new crime app that I found. The app's called Murder Minute, and it delivers true crime stories to your mobile phone every day. It's a really cool app, and if you're into learning things about uh, psychopaths and murderers like me, then you can learn things like what trophies Ted Bundy collected, the psychology of a serial killer, the ins and outs of police investigation practices, and heaps more. The sign-up is super easy too, and actually pretty fun, and the design of the app is super user-friendly, and looks a bit like a chat log, and it's really a lot of fun. So, to get started, find and download Murder Minute from the App Store, or visit MurderMinute.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-M-I-N-U-T-E dot com, to get your daily dose of true crime creepiness delivered straight to your mobile device. Anyway, guys, I hope you check out the app. As always, thanks for listening. And without further ado, let's begin. I was out for a drive this evening through some back roads outside of my small open town around uh, 10.30 or 11pm I'd say. I've driven these roads dozens of times before and never had an issue. Until tonight that is. But just as a preface too, there are little to no houses along these specific roads and there's never traffic so it's really isolated. So, I'm cruising around the twisty roads just enjoying myself and kind of in my zone when I come over the crest of a right turn that goes up a hill which then sweeps down into a flat left and which has a guardrail along the right side of the road. As I crest the hill, I was going fairly slow too, at 40 or 50 as there are often deer and opossums in the area. I notice a, a moving figure along the guardrail. I begin to slow down more, as I figure it's a deer and I don't want to hit it, but as I get closer, I realise that it's not a deer. It actually looks like a, a man. At this point, 
I'm barely moving, just kind of creeping forward as to get closer to it, and I realize that it is a man who's crouched down in a sort of slav squat, and he's now turned around to look at me. In my headlights, uh, the first things I notice are he's not wearing any clothes, save for a pair of tidy whities or some sort of adult diaper or something. His eyes are oddly large too for an adult man and just completely brown or black, and his skin is just ghostly white. As I approach, I turn my brights on and he didn't even flinch. By now, I've completely stopped and started to reach down to get my phone as I wanted to actually take a video. But this was a huge mistake. I looked away for a split second to just grab my phone from the passenger seat and as I'm starting to look down, he starts sprinting right at me and he's running directly towards me. He gets up to my window and just starts screaming like a banshee and not just like a man yelling but like all the rage he's ever felt is coming out at that one moment and it's directed at me. He starts pounding on the window with his fists, all the while screaming his head off. This lasts for about three seconds, I'd say, before I just throw it into first gear and peel out of there as quickly as I can. As I'm accelerating, the first gear in my car takes me to about uh, 40 miles per hour, I'd say. I look at my rear view and realize that somehow he's keeping up with me. It's not until I get in second and then third and take it up to around 80 that... I can no longer see him. He was just running at inhuman speeds, trying to keep up with me, and I have no idea how he was doing it. I flew the rest of the way home, afraid to stop or look at my mirrors, and I got into the driveway and just ran inside and decided to share this. I have no idea what I encountered tonight or how that guy was keeping up with me, but I hated every second of it. All I know is that I'll be finding other routes to take when I take my nighttime drives in the future, just to be sure that I never see that guy again. I lived in three different houses in Kuwaita in different parts of the town as a little girl and experienced hauntings and supernatural encounters just everywhere I went. My very first memories, in fact, are in that town, and some of them, they still scare me. There's uh, just a lot of history and a lot of old buildings and homes in Kawida. The first house I lived in was right across from some woods, too. My three siblings and I used to play there all the time, and one day, we decided to go in further than we ever had. I was about four years old at the time, and we found an old dilapidated shack. As we got closer to it, the leaves to my left flew up, almost in like a, a straight line like they would for a sudden gust of wind or something. But there was definitely no wind there. It stopped right in front of me and then there was a really loud and deep man's voice all around us that screamed to get out. Needless to say, we just ran like hell. I was the youngest and smallest and the first one out of there too. And after this... I would always see this old man at the edge of the woods. He would stay there like he was guarding them or something. But my mother asked me one day why I was so afraid of the woods and I told her because of the bad man. She inquired further and I told her that there was a bad man that didn't want us in the woods anymore. She brushed it off and life just kind of went on from that point. 
So we moved away for a couple of years until my parents divorced. My mother moved us into a, a small two-bedroom house that was close to our schools and she was sleeping on a fold-out couch and us kids had the two bedrooms. It was also right next to a cemetery too and we would play there sometimes, as curious children often do. There was always this uh, man there too, but probably in his early 30s that would visit his mother's grave every single day in fact. And he was there every single time that we went, no matter what time it was. He'd pack food and even camp out there, talking away on his grave all day. We were intrigued, I, I must admit. We would hide behind gravestones and try to hear what he was saying. I don't remember ever being able to make anything out, but his facial expressions and body movements were so casual that it was like there was someone sitting in front of him just keeping up the banter. But one day, my oldest brother and I managed to get really close. We thought that we were so slick and all of a sudden the man just stood up, turned around, looked right at us and said, What are you looking at, kid? And then just started speaking in a different voice in a, a language that we sure didn't understand. It sounded like, uh, like well thought out gibberish or something, if that makes sense. It's possible that he was just messing with us, but man, it was certainly creepy. And after that, I just stopped going into that area. After a short time though, we ended up moving into downtown Kawita. It was literally one street with small buildings neatly aligned on either side. We lived on the side of the street that was once a cemetery back when the town was first settled in the 1840s. When they decided to build houses, they moved all of the graves. Well, I found out through my lack of supervision and constant curiousness that they built houses on top of graves eventually. There were gravestones and crawl spaces of at least three of the homes there. There was a very old white two-storied house that sat a block from our house too, and we saw multiple families move in and out only a few months later. The house was empty most of the time, and my oldest brother, myself, and my cat climbed into the crawl space one day. We attempted to turn a stone over so that we could try to read it with our flashlight, and as we did, something hissed at us. And this was not a, a normal animal sound, nothing like it. It was like a, a hundred voices all just hissing at once in different frequencies. The hair all over my body just stood up on end and we freaked out and, and my brother was the first out and my cat was second and then me. As I got to the sidewalk, I saw my cat get picked up and thrown too. Someone grabbed my hair and pulled me to the ground and I was so scared that I just started crying. My cat hid in my mum's closet and wouldn't come out until the next day and I ended up having a giant bruise on my right butt cheek. After that, it was hard for me to even walk past that house because, well, I still can't explain what happened there. In this same house, with the graves in the crawl space, I would often see a, an old woman too. I wasn't the only one who saw her too, but I did more than the others and I mostly saw her at night but sometimes in the day as well. And at night, I would often wake up to, I swear, see her standing by my dresser, which was just in front of the door. She was illuminated by the hall light my mum would leave on for us, and she would just stare at us and move her mouth, but I couldn't hear anything that she was saying. 
and on three or four occasions she actually put her hand on my crayons that were on my dresser and the next day they were just all moldy and dried up. I have no idea why she did that but she did and my mum just kept replacing them and still never believed me. Also the stuff would just turn on by itself all the time and there were the typical footsteps and whispers, doorknobs rattling, all that stuff. And to be quite honest, it was a pretty terrifying childhood in Coweta, Oklahoma. So, first for a, a little backstory. I've worked on and offered a psych hospital for uh, the past nine years, I'd say. It used to be a regular hospital too, but eventually it was bought out and turned into a standalone psych facility. For the most part, I've worked overnights in the children's unit, which used to be the maternity ward when it was the old hospital. The main part of the unit is a, a hallway with a nurse's station, bedrooms, a, a day room and a quiet room too. The quiet room is just a, a small empty room that can be used as a timeout for the kids or locked seclusion if necessary. Overall, it was a pretty cake job. I would get to work 15 minutes early and just finish everything I needed to do for the night as fast as possible, and then just post up in a big comfy chair at the end of the hallway and read a book or watch Netflix on my phone until it was time to wake all the kids up. In my nine years there, I've had a lot of creepy and paranormal experiences, but the ones I'm about to share today are the ones I've always considered to be real because it wasn't me that experienced them, but the patients on our units. So, one night, between 3 and 4 a.m., a very young patient came out of his room because he was having trouble sleeping in his room. We let him take his pillows and blankets and set up a mat on the floor of the quiet room so that he could lay down in there. He stayed in there for almost an hour, I'd say, and then brought his pillows and blankets near me and sat down. But since patients aren't supposed to just chill in the hallway and all that, I told him that he needed to go back to the quiet room and he listened. A few minutes later, he came back out and this time the nurse came out of the nurse's station and told him that he needed to go back into the quiet room or go back into his bedroom. But the patient went back into the quiet room and a few minutes later, he came out again and sat down by me. I didn't really care if this kid was out in the hallway or not to be honest, but I know the nurse did so I told him that he better get into the quiet room and go to sleep otherwise he'd just end up getting himself in trouble. When I said this though, the kid just started crying his eyes out and said, I can't. When I asked him why, he said that because there was a man in the quiet room just staring at him. At this point, I was just like, okay, whatever, just stay out here and didn't think too much of it to be honest. But fast forward about six months later, we had a patient on our unit that was a lot more mature than most patients that we ever had. He really should have been on a teenager unit, but he was just shy of the age limit, so he was stuck on a unit with little kids half his age and half his size, mind you. Anyway, he would wake up around the same time every night, between 3 and 4 a.m., and not be able to fall back to sleep. So, he would stand in his doorway and just talk to me, and I would never really give him any issue about this, because he was pretty chill, and it gave me a break from just staring at my book on my phone. One night though, in the middle of our conversation, he abruptly stopped and asked who's standing in the quiet room. And 
But when I said no one, his face just went pale. I asked what was wrong and he told me that he swore that he saw a man just staring at him from the quiet room door. And when he looked back after asking me who it was, the man was just gone. I told him the story about the little kid who told me that he saw a man staring at him in the quiet room and we both had a good chill down our spines and the kid said screw this and just went back into his room. So, fast forward again about a year or two now and we have this little girl in our unit who was just non-stop chaos. Very, very tiny and couldn't speak a single word that made sense, just garbled sounds, always trying to bite us and scratch us and seemingly never slept too. Everyone would say that she was possessed, but she definitely wasn't, mind you, but anyway, one night after being bitten and scratched for hours straight... She was finally ordered into lock seclusion in the quiet room. It was about 15-20 uh, minutes I'd say before she just started screaming bloody murder and pounding her hands on the door to the point where her hands actually started bleeding. We let her out of the quiet room immediately and as soon as we unlocked the door she burst through it pointing at the room screaming the boy, the boy just over and over again. It certainly put a scare in me as it made me remember the other two patients who said that they saw someone in the quiet room. After everything was calmed down, I, I grabbed some rags and disinfectant spray to go clean the door off after the kid pounding on it to the point of blood, and I felt just really uneasy going into that room after a kid screaming the boy, and just beating their fist bloody to get out of there too. So, when I opened the door back up, I slowly stuck my head inside to look around expecting to see a ghost or something, but the room was just completely empty. But right after I pulled my head out of the room and opened the door up wider so that I could get inside, the light inside the room, it went out. Well, I noped out of there and I let someone else clean that shit room. Anyway, I always thought that this was an interesting one because, well, three separate patients or someone in our quiet room and I may have experienced something paranormal myself in fact. I have lots of creepy stories from this hospital and my own life too that I wouldn't mind sharing in the future if anyone would be interested in hearing them. But let me know in the comments section below. So I was out in the country lands of Texas on this remote trail mountain biking. It was an area I liked to ride when I would go into town, and while riding through, I saw an older man ahead just walking strangely, but I remember that he was looking straight up at the sky. I see him about 60 yards ahead of me, and it's a singular track, so I don't have room to go around him, so I simply stop and he hears me break and turns to me, now with his head level and looking at me. And what happened next made my skin crawl, and I'll never forget it. He starts talking and waving his arms, but his voice sounds nothing like he looks. It honestly sounded like a, like a child talking and sounded scared, but it was obviously a guy that was 50 plus years old. He keeps talking, but it's like someone is playing a recording from his body with his animations and mouth just not lining up and his voice sounding off. And well... I just turned around and booked it back to where I parked my car and left quickly. 
Now, I know that he could have just been a, a wilderness loony with a child's voice, but, but there were no other cars at the trail entrance, and he was a good five miles in without any gear or clothes that match a hiker or any sort of wilderness person at all. Plus, the sounds that he was making and the way that he was talking without things lining up was just impossible. Man, I hate remembering how he sounded in my head too. So I'm a junior in college and whenever I think about this incident or tell the story, it uh, just still makes me shake kind of and it felt like it happened yesterday. So a little bit of background first. I know it's hard for some people to believe this but I grew up in a haunted house. There was an incident where a bucket flew across the room and almost hit me in the 8th grade. Something rubbed my leg while I was doing my hair in the bathroom once, roughly ninth or 10th grade, and just different stuff like that would happen. On top of all of this too, I've also seen these, like, shadow people, and some friends even have too. And emotionally, well, dang man, the environment was just absolutely toxic. Just dark, and I don't know how else to explain it, but... It was just evil. And while I had experienced different things growing up, when I got to early high school, things just really escalated. And by the time that this story happens, it was the beginning of my senior year and it was the worst of it. So, when I was a senior in high school, I mainly binged shows and just did homework. I didn't do a whole lot outside of this, mainly because I didn't have my license or a car or anything and... My life basically just consisted of TV, homework, being a small group leader on Wednesdays for a youth group and a leader for kids ministry on Sundays and whatnot. And that was just pretty much honestly it. I have a big family and at this point my three older siblings moved out so it was just me, my twin and my parents. I was used to always having someone in the house but unfortunately not at this point. We lived out in the country of northwestern Pennsylvania. My twin sister let me know that she had to leave for school early so that she could drive and cover a shift for work and all that. My dad worked about an hour away from our house, so he would not get back home until around 7, maybe later sometimes, and my mum was just out of town. So I get off the school bus at around 3pm and I immediately go upstairs to my room to continue binging house. Around 4pm, I notice a... Uh, a noise coming from below in my parents' bedroom. I quickly wrote this off as our cats though. However, the noise persisted and started getting louder too. So, around 4.30, I sat up in bed and listened. And it sounded like someone was throwing things and breaking things and tearing through things downstairs. Honestly, I just sat there kind of startled, in fear and... I didn't move and for the next half an hour I just listened and man it got real loud at one point. So I got off my bed and quietly rested my feet on the tile flooring and I could even feel it. I could feel vibrations coming from underneath my feet. The noise was that loud. Now you may be thinking why didn't you just call someone? 
Well, I didn't get a cell phone until a few months after this, and at this point, we no longer had a landline either. And so, I stood still for the next half an hour, and I just didn't know what to do. At this point, it was around 5.30ish, and I was just bawling my eyes out because I was so scared. And the noise is just so loud that it's beginning to hurt my ears too. But then the noise just suddenly stopped. Just out of nowhere it just stopped. And for some reason this scared me more because whatever was down there had nowhere to go but up the stairs to me. And I had no way to defend myself and at this point I thought it could have been an intruder or something. But I literally found a dinner plate and a wooden drumstick for my drum set, you know, and it was in my room, so I was just holding these in my hand, just waiting for something to happen. And I was shaking so bad that I almost dropped everything. I was listening and just waiting there, just trying to hear something, and I swear that I heard someone creeping up the stairs. I heard the step creak, and I threw the plate in the hallway, and one of my cats walked into the room, and and now I know the creeping up the stairs couldn't have been her either. All of our cats run up and down the stairs anyway, and you could hear the difference, but then there was just nothing. Nothing happened. I stood there shaking and just crying for the next half hour, not knowing what the hell to do, and then I heard the front door around six, and my twin announced she was home. I ran downstairs crying, and she was so confused, and... I tried to tell her, but I was so worked up and crying so much that I couldn't explain it well enough. I said, look with me please, and we walked across the living room to the entrance of my parents' bedroom, and I turned the light on, and to my surprise, absolutely everything was in place. To this day, I'm really anxious about being home by myself, and I'm so glad that I don't live in that place anymore. After the bank took our house, we all just kind of parted our ways for college and then uh, my parents divorced too. It was actually a good thing and they're kind of best friends now. And to be honest, I'm not sure if I should warn the new owners about the house or if I should just be done with it. To start off, this happened in high school around. 2014 or 2015 I'd say. I was in 10th grade and my friends and I thought it would be funny, but looking back on my life this is probably one of the dumbest things I've done though, to get a Ouija board and just mess around with it. It was a bad idea, I know, and it was also very typical of a bunch of stupid 15 year olds who were just beginning to learn about witchcraft and all that. Anyway, I did a little research, if that's what you want to call it. I just looked up to the do's and don'ts, but we bought a Ouija board from Target. Honestly, this story gets more stereotypical as we go. And we messed around with it in my friend, we'll call her M, M's backyard. All I can say is, thank God that we didn't do it in the house. At first, only Em and I used the Ouija board, and for the most part, we were just kind of fucking around, just trying to spook each other, but I was genuinely curious after a while, and we started to try and use it properly. We talked to a few spirits, nothing bad happened, and we thought that it was pretty cool. About a week later, Em told me that she got her own Ouija board. 
It was from someone's yard sale or something, and me being the only one of our friends from our friend group who bothered to actually look up Ouija board experience online, my reaction was kind of like, uh, this isn't good. I was a little concerned that something might be attached to it because I had read about not using a Ouija board with a previous owner, but eventually we got bored at her house and went outside to use it. Our friend also came over, I'll address her by the name of E, and she had never used a Ouija board before, so I told her the big no-nos of using a Ouija board and we got started. We were also on Skype with another one of our friends because he wanted to watch us use it. And immediately after a few yes and no questions, my friend got the hang of it and we asked for the spirit's name. And it spelled out M-A-M-A. And E immediately noped the fuck out of there because she had read some dumb legend online about the demon that goes by that name. She took her hands off and honestly, I could have strangled her right there and then because I knew that she had broken a rule by doing that. I know that you really don't know who you're communicating with with the Ouija board, but I wasn't too scared yet, but she had definitely broken a rule and I thought it was sketchy to kind of keep going at this point. In fact, I was about to say goodbye with them and immediately the planchette moved in a, an infinity sign around the board. My stomach dropped and I felt some sort of weird tingling or presence if that's the right word which is the first time that I had ever felt anything like that. But we had to force the planchette to say goodbye because whatever the fuck that was didn't want to say goodbye, and I threw the planchette out into the yard. At this point, we had forgotten all about the Skype call, and my phone was even off at this point. But it was fully charged, and when I turned it back on, a friend told me that it had actually disconnected and made a bunch of weird noises. And that... That kind of spooked me out a bit. I told Em and E that we were going to get rid of the fucking thing and Em got very irrationally angry and looking back on it, I didn't think much of it because she has a few mental illnesses as it is and I figured that that was probably it, but now I kind of think maybe it was something else. Em and I fought over the board, I wanted it gone and she wanted to keep using it. And he snatched it from him and said, I'm getting rid of it, look what it's doing to you guys. And we kind of calmed down a bit after this. She tore it up, it was a cardboard one, and walked to the river behind M's place and just threw it in and all three of us vowed to not touch one ever again. So fast forward to a few months later, after Christmas break, and I went to M's house to sleep over for the weekend. And she brought out this big ass wooden Ouija board. Her brother had gotten her another one dated back to the 1950s because he thought it was really cool and knew that she was into that stuff. You know that legend that says if you don't get rid of a board properly that it comes back? Oh yeah, it seemed like it came back alright, and ten times worse this time too. I refused to even touch that board because I knew it was a bad idea and I did not want to feel the feeling that I got from the last time we used it. I just got this feeling that's hard to explain and I knew that I shouldn't touch it. But my instincts proved me right in the end too and reluctantly I went outside with her and this was the first time that she had used it because she wanted me to use it with her but I still refused and I told her that I would watch but she couldn't pay me money to touch the damn thing. But my instincts were just screaming at me that 
this was just all going to go wrong. And of course, it did. So, immediately, the board spelt out M-A-M-A. I tried to tell M to stop using it, but it was like she didn't even hear me. And it scared me even more this time because my hands weren't on it. It was all her, and she was so focused on it. Almost like she was in some sort of a trance or something. After a few yes or no questions and me becoming more on edge by the second, her hand on the planchette started moving around faster and then I couldn't keep up with it and Em just looked up and said she wants me to leave her an offering. I ripped her hands off from the board at this point and I told her that that was enough and that that was a terrible idea and she snapped out of whatever had her glued to that board and said, yeah, you're probably right. We went back upstairs and put the Ouija board in her closet and, and went downstairs to grab a snack when I was using the bathroom and when I came out of the bathroom, she was sitting on her bed with the Ouija board again and her hands were moving like they were before. And at that point, I got that really strange feeling again. She just looked up at me like everything was normal too and I took the board from her again and tried to talk some fucking sense into her and I shut it in the closet and left the light in the closet on. I turned on all the lights in her room because at that point, I have to admit that I was absolutely terrified. But things died down until my friend, who had literally no idea about the Ouija board, texted me with some screenshots of M threatening to sacrifice him for the blood moon. I asked M about this because it was just totally weird and just so out of character for her. And she picked up her phone and looked through the text she'd sent and she looked up at me with genuine fear in her eyes. Some small part of myself still wanted to think that this was all her just fucking with me or something rational sounding, but the look on her face confirmed it. Something was just very wrong. And then, we heard a thud in the closet. We immediately looked towards the closet and we could see something moving in there from the shadow on the floor. And then, the light on the closet just went off. The switch was on the outside, and the switch was still on, though. M was terrified, and so was I. The lights in her room were flickering, and we looked at each other to confirm that we had both just seen that. At this point, it was around midnight, and things just began to get worse, too. She tried to go to sleep, but there was no way that I was going to get any sleep that night. She slept for maybe 15 minutes and woke up because she said that her leg hurt and we looked at her leg and there was this huge claw looking mark there we heard something banging around on the roof too and the house just made these awful noises and the whole time i i just had this feeling that i still can't explain to this day it was the dreadful feeling like before but just way worse i genuinely thought that I was going to die that night, in fact. Especially after we saw something move in the corner of the room. Em eventually got so tired that she fell asleep, leaving me to deal with the noises that sounded straight out of a fucking horror movie. But the worst part was probably that feeling. It was just so odd and it felt so disturbing and I really thought that I was going to die that night. Strangely enough, though, Em eventually woke up in the morning with just absolutely no recollection of that night's events. And apparently, she had a, a dream about a, a spirit leaving her body. And that was all she remembered. 
To this day, I firmly believe that something was happening that night, and something was trying to get my friend. And whatever it was was either something demonic or just something extremely negative. I'll never forget the feeling that I had that night too, but not for the rest of my life, and it just honestly shook my beliefs to the core. And yes, we threw the Ouija board into the river that morning, but the strange things happened in her house for a long time after that whole incident. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.